As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to get you ready for the Tar Heels matchup with the Miami Hurricanes. A crucial game in the ACC Coastal, and one that, by the end of the season, could go a long way in determining who wins this division in its final season here in 2022. Josh Marlowe along with me here on this edition of the podcast. And uh, first, we got to start out by letting people know that uh, this is your pick to win the ACC Coastal in the preseason. How you feeling about that as we as we sit here at this point? Because I remember it, having, having a great argument here in the preseason on this very podcast about how Mario Cristobal was going to come in and just wreck shop. Um, I mean, look, I, I remember arguing that Miami was going to be a program that was back on the rise. Uh, did you or did you not think they would be on the precipice of the playoff? I do remember making statements about <laughs> Miami being a program back on the rise. To be fair, crystal ball, but I you have always been a you've always been a you guy because last year. Picked them to beat Alabama. You picked them to beat Alabama. That may have been one of but, the worst picks ever. But you're on here spitting lies. Oh, come on. Because No, I, I'm not. I said Miami was going to start their way being back. Yep. Still picked Carolina to win the Coastal and make the ACC title game. You are full of crap. You know why? Because I heard you say on air earlier today that you picked Miami to win the Coastal. No, no, I know exactly. No, you picked NC State. And Miami. That's who I picked. I don't, I, I got to tell you, the credibility of you on this show as a as the host is in question. You are, you are not enough of a homer. Uh, I mean, look, I think the only thing I bring to the show is credibility. Wow. Um, yeah, really, with your, oh, yeah, with your fake church league stories. But, you know, look, I, I think, I, I think what really stinks about this matchup is that really really selling the game? By the way, really it, it, selling it. It, it kind it kind of feels in in a, in a lot of similar ways like last week. And let me explain to Whoa. where that this is a this is an opponent that now Carolina ha, has had more success against Miami than Virginia Tech. The numbers aren't as skewed as the ones against the Hokies are. Carolina leads the all time series against Miami. So if if Carolina goes and and wins the game. I don't know. I don't know what that says about Carolina. Okay, I'm gonna nope. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna because, stop you. I'm no, gonna stop not. you right there because, because that's a that. Come on. No. Because, Are we really saying that Virginia Tech? No. Is, I'm ju- just saying, is on the same level as Miami right now. I'm just saying that 
the schedule that it's the way it's lining up for Carolina, it kind of feels like 15 where they can run up a record that is 5 and 1 after this week, 6 and 1 next week against Duke, and you really don't know how good you are because this conference, this division is an utter chaos. But what that means is that is that I, I, I think it actually puts more pressure on Carolina to win these games because you have Drake May, who is right now playing the best quarterback in the conference. You could argue he's playing on a level that is up there with C.J. Stroud, with Bryce Young. And, and so it's, it's, it's just a weird position mm-hmm. for, like, if Carolina was going into this game in Miami, even if Miami only had the one loss to A&M, right? Yep, you could still say if they go there and win, that's that's a, that's a really that's a really big win because because if Miami looked apart, Miami right now looks like what Miami has looked like the last decade, despite the fact that they they literally bought a a, a new roster with nil money, and, and so I, I think it's just I think it's the curse of Tar Heel football, where no matter how good we think we are, and I I, I think we know on offense we're as good as anybody in the country. And I think we showed last week we can we can actually play good defense against you know subpar offenses, but this could be a situation where Carolina goes and wins the game, and we don't know how good we are because Miami isn't the team we thought they were in the preseason. So so we don't know how. I'm I'm going to tell you I don't care how good we are in relation to. So you're you're saying in relation to the rest of the country, right? Because well, I saying like in I general, don't like, I don't know, but but. I no, I will if they beat Miami, I will know how good they are. They would be the best team in the coastal because, at that point. But and I don't, that's I don't know all, what that means. That's all that matters. Who cares what that means? Because like we're the, one of the most oddest like four and one teams. Okay, ever. I get it. But I but here's my point. I don't care what the record actually means right now. I, I it that doesn't matter because for this team, I think We've all kind of come to the conclusion that if this team makes the ACC championship game, that's huge. Like even if it's at even even if it's at let's say it's like Larry's first year there, where Carolina didn't get to go, where they finished eight and four overall. I don't have it in front of me. It was I believe five and three in conference, but they owned a tiebreaker, or was it six and two? I think it was five. I think it was five and three. I thought it was five and three. Um, but they didn't go, and of course Miami went in their place because of the issues that Carolina had under yep. Butch Davis. But I, I, I think you didn't really know how good that team was. But for this team, I mean, especially if you look back after four games, you know, the quarter, the the or actually not the quarter point of the season, the one third of the way through the season, and they were three and one. They just came off a loss to Notre Dame, where they got bludgeoned by an offense that wasn't good, I think we'd all say, yeah, we'll definitely take that. So that's my thing. This game, and you know, this is this is where we kind of get into it. This this game is important for the coastal. And right now, that is what matters for Carolina. Those those prove it games of how how good you really are, look, you got those later on the schedule. You got Wake Forest. Got NC State. You got NC State at the end of the schedule. Those are the two games you're looking at now. Who maybe and he, at this point probably not by the point you play them because of who they just lost to. I I would say Pittsburgh, but they probably at this point are kind of off the radar after mm-hmm. that loss to Georgia Tech. So but but this is a big one and this is these are the ones you have to take care of. If you take care of your division right now with the way things are set up, you will make the ACC championship game, especially oh, in the Coastal. Which is why I said I think there's now more pressure for them to get to Charlotte. Okay, I get that. Now, I will say this. There is a lot of pressure on Miami, too. This is a team that Carolina has won three straight against. It's mm-hmm. a team that uh, Carolina has beaten five out of the last seven. And more importantly, it is a team that is coming off of a loss the last time that they played to Middle Tennessee at home. And not only a loss, this was a game where Middle Tennessee, the the final score didn't tell you how ugly this game got at certain points. They were in control of that game the entire time in Miami Gardens. That's not supposed to happen to Miami 
especially a Miami team that most people thought and look, I was joking with you coming out. You were not you were very far from the only one. Miami was the preseason favorite to win the coastal for a reason. Yep. But so far they haven't looked apart. And you know, here this is let's let's dive into Miami. All you need to know about Miami presented by DraftKings. Head over to draftkings.com, use the promo code TPPN to bet on this weekend's NFL action. And I think the guy that has the most pressure on him right now, probably of anybody in this game, is Tyler Van Dyke. He comes in, was benched in the last game against Middle Tennessee. He has not thrown for more than 261 yards or two touchdowns in a game this season. Keep in mind, they scored 70 in their opener against Bethune-Cookman. He only threw two touchdowns in that game. So this is a guy that is kind of needing to respond at this point. And it could go one of two ways. It could work out really well for him and he could come out motivated. Or it could be a lot of pressure on him and it sort of backfires. You're talking about a guy that is this year Spencer Rattler. Entered the season that's, with that's a hell of a comparison, yeah. With uh, with, uh, with oh, a yeah. lot of with a lot of hope. Um a guy that was being mocked as a, you know, top 10, in, you know, NFL draft pick was on the Heisman list in the preseason and then you know things broke his way. If he had moments at A&M in the in the marquee ACC t- uh, games and if Miami was a playoff contender, Maybe you you could see him in New York. Just hasn't happened, uh, and and for a lot of different reasons. I think you know Mario Cristobal trying to install the way he wants his teams to play on offense. You, you, we talked about the 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 influx of NIL money. That means transfers coming in. Also, that means transfers going out, and and and, and so you you know you're you're dealing with chemistry issues. And stuff like that. But Completely new coaching staff. The the biggest issue is that I think, I think we all thought he was good enough to to really overcome and elevate his game because look at what he did last year when Manny Diaz was his head coach, and 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 look at look at how efficient he played from the second half of that NC State game on. This was a guy who would throw three hundred yards or more in every game, but won the rest of the way. Like, he was putting up monster numbers. We thought that was going to carry over, and it didn't. But now here comes a Carolina defense, which has given up roughly 34 points per game. That's had troubles getting to the quarterback. We've seen the issues in the secondary. Hopefully we're not the, the you know, the, the thing that gets him going. But the thing about him, as, as we saw last year, he's not going to lack confidence, and he knows he has a defense that he has more than the – he has history of picking, up, picking apart once – if a company can do it again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. Um, you know, the one thing is, is I, I get what you're saying, the success that he had um, in years, in, in you know, against Carolina last year, uh, the success that he had down the stretch of last season. But especially with the stretch that he had down the stretch last year, we've seen that before with guys in college football, where they take over midseason, they get hot, and you start, you know, you, you start giving them a little hype, and they're guys that kind of just disappear. Um, and look, I, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening here. I think there is a chance that he can definitely get it back on track. I think he's talented, but what did I tell you about him in the preseason? What was the reason that I picked Pitt to win the Coastal? I picked them to win the Coastal because when it came to Miami and Tyler Van Dyke, you know, I saw the type of gunslinger mentality that you saw with a guy like Spencer Rattler. I think that is a tremendous comparison. Now, the problem is, is that this is a guy that got benched for a completely unproven guy that is nowhere near as highly touted as Caleb Williams was. Caleb Williams is one of the best. He came in, and you saw why they went to him over Spencer Rattler. Uh, from all indications... Tyler Van Dyke will start this game, and there is no that they are not planning on pulling him out of this game. Jake Garcia did not show them anything in that game against Middle Tennessee. He was ten and nineteen, one hundred sixty nine yards. It didn't seem like they were really that thrilled to make it a quarterback battle. Um, the thing about them is they are going to lean on their running game, maybe now more than ever, and they're they they got talent there. Um, so far this season, Henry Parrish Jr. 
89.8 yards per game. Remember, they've only played four games. They have had two bye weeks already out of this. Or no, they didn't play week one. So Or week zero, excuse me. Um, so I always forget that because Carolina did play in week zero. But um, they've had their bye week already. And look, those 89.8 yards, third most among running backs in the ACC so far this year. Yep. So an extremely talented guy. They spell him with a guy in Thaddeus Franklin who already has five rushing touchdowns so far this season on the ground. So he brings the power. And look, we saw that speed-power combination when we played Notre Dame, and it hurt Carolina. Uh, they did a good job last week, but it's against a Virginia Tech running game that is nowhere near as strong uh, as ones that we saw in the mid to late 2000s or even really during the you know latter part of the Frank Beamer era. So... Um, I think that is when I look at that that at this team, that's probably the area of this Miami team that scares me the most offensively. It's not Tyler Van Dyke in the passing game. Yeah, and I mean I think you gotta look at what Carolina did really good last week was which was the the best they've set the edge in what in what feels like forever. And I think the best part about what they did was that as good as they did set the edge, I still thought they left a lot on tape to clean up, which mm-hmm. means that there's a lot of room for, for them to, to get better. And that's where it's going to start. Because I think that's that, that that's that's still the, the thing on this defense is that teams are going to line up and they're going to run the ball at Carolina before they, they try to throw it. And look at how bad Notre Dame entered the game being able to run the football. And they came out and they ran it, they ran it right at Carolina because Carolina couldn't stop it. So it's going to come down to Dez Evans, Noah Taylor, those guys setting the edge, Ray Vowasik, you know, Cayman Rucker, those guys getting stuff up the the interior, and then everybody rallying to the football. That was the best thing this defense did last week was every time you saw the 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 the, the picture on on your TV screen, there were eight or nine blue hats in the area. So they were rallying to the ball. They were making plays as a unit. It wasn't it wasn't asking guys over and over again to make plays one-on-one because in this day and age, it's not going to happen. And, and so I think that's going to be the biggest thing is that if Carolina is rallying to the ball as a defensive unit, that's going to be their best chance. That's That was what made the 15 defense so good under Gene Chizik was you always had eight or nine guys in the area to make the plays. And I think you saw last week when that happens that what this defense is capable of doing. I don't think they're going to go out there and hold Miami to 10 points. I don't think they're going to go up there and give up less than 270 yards. But I do think this could be a, a unit that can give up 24 points or less and 400 yards or less when they're playing with that type of effort as 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 a as a unit, not just individually. Yeah, group, group tackling I think is is spot on because that's something they haven't had enough of. We we pointed that out in in back in 2019, 20, 21 under Bateman. That was one of the things that they kind of lacked. You had guys that had to tackle in space. And look, they've. I will tell you this, they are a lot better than that than they were under some of the guys that were defensive coordinators under Larry. That was one of the biggest issues for Fedora-led defenses was they could not tackle, even with guys around them. This team, the problem is, is that you got one guy out in space trying to make the tackle. If he misses the tackle... There's nobody else there yeah. to sort of cover his behind. So that's something that they definitely have to be better at. And you're right. They did that against Virginia Tech. They strung out a lot of those runs to the edge, uh, which they need to be able to do in this game as well. You have to be able to try to force those guys to the sideline. Don't make it where they can literally go right around you know, the defense, the, the, the end, and th- that outside is open. That's been a problem for Carolina for years um, and I think in this game, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's all about can you get off of blocks? You did a week ago. Can you do it again here? Um, and, you know, the thing is, is their offensive line, look, it's an improved unit. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they're running the ball for 178.5 yards per game. That's encouraging. But this is still a unit that has some issues with allowing pressure. Every one of their interior offensive linemen have allowed at least nine pressures or more so far this season. As a comparison, Carolina's interior offensive linemen, uh, they haven't nearly struggled as bad as that, and that's with Ed Montalus in there, who we've talked about, you know, has really had his issues at times. So that is the weak area for this Miami offensive line. The question is, can guys like Ray Velasik, 
Miles Murphy, Travis Shaw, Kevin Hester. Can those types of guys attack this offensive line unit up front? And even if they don't get to the quarterback, can you provide some sort of pressure? Can you get off of those blocks in the run game and be there to make those tackles? You haven't seen that for most of the year from this unit. You've seen these guys getting moved out of the way. Last year, or last year, last week, they were better, but you need to see them take another step this year. The other area where they are a little weak is the pass catching group. This is. This was one of the biggest things that people questioned about them coming into the year, and boy, it has been a struggle for them so far. Uh, They continue to search for those guys. No pass catcher so far this year has more than one touchdown or 200 yards receiving. Now, to be fair, they did end up losing wide receiver Xavier Xavier Restrepo uh, before the game against Texas A&M, and it does not look like he is going to play in this game either. It seems like it will be a long shot for him to play. So they are looking for other guys. Will Mallory, their veteran tight end, um, you know, he's he's been solid but not great. Um, Carolina, you know, last week was presented with two tight ends that were off to really good starts to the season. They took both of those guys away. Can they do it again in this one? Because they didn't do it against Notre Dame and we saw what happened. Um, but they, they have to be aware of some of these other guys. The other guy I, I think you have to keep an eye on, Keyshawn Smith at wide receiver, 15.5 yards per reception so far this year. So a guy that can be a little bit of a threat uh, on the outside. Meanwhile, you head over to the defensive side of the ball. And look, this defensive front, nowhere near the unit that we've seen over the past few years. First of all, remember two years ago, that defensive line unit was raved about. One of the most raved about in the country with Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche on the edge. Carolina dominated them in that game. Um, You would like to see a similar performance in this one from the offensive line against a weaker unit. Uh, Jafari Harvey, talented guy. Um, He's off to a solid start to the year. And same thing with Akeem uh, uh, Mesidor. Um, But they are the only two guys so far that have more than five pressures on the quarterback of anybody on this defense. Um, So this is, and and, I mean, we're talking about Kamen Rucker had four quarterback pressures a week ago. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that is not even remotely pressuring the quarterback. Um, That is one area where Carolina has to be able to take advantage. At linebacker, they've been okay, not great. Uh, Corey Flagg Jr.'s had a pretty solid start to the season. Uh, He leads the team in tackles, but they've kind of been bouncing back and forth between Wayman State Jr. and uh, and, uh, Keontra Smith. Um, beside him, so that's an area where Carolina, if you can, you know, get to that second level, especially in the running game, Carolina should be able to have some success running the football in this game. These linebackers not as strong as some of the teams that they faced even so far. Even a week ago, that Virginia Tech linebacking core very stout. Uh, this one will probably be one of the weaker ones that you will face so far this year. And then you know the secondary. Look, there's talent there. There has always been talent there, but it was exposed against Middle Tennessee. They allowed a ton of big plays. I mean, we're talking about their passing game looked very similar to Carolina's against uh, App State. They allowed a ton of big plays down the field. Both DJ Ivey and Tyreek Stevenson have allowed more than an average of 25.5 yards per reception so far this year. So there are big plays to be had, you have said that you feel confident in the running game. Do you think, I mean, that has to be an area they attack with some of the struggles that Miami has on the D-line, at linebacker. That's that's an area I want to see them take a step in this game offensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really just comes down to the commitment to the run and, and, and really... <laughs> Phil Longo, I feel like when he's calling plays, when you got a guy like like Drake May, it, it really just it really just gets like a video game where you're just like, Dude, what you know, I'm I'm gonna watch this guy throw the football. Oh, I mean, look, when it, it it's hard to get away from a quarterback that is throwing the ball around the yard at a high rate. I no doubt about it. And and, and so I. I mean, I I know there's people are, are are concerned about the running game because, and Mac Brown pointed out again this week where some long runs really you know inflated the rushing stats, but that's that's how running offense it it, it actually works. Like 
you don't really see teams unless you're just playing a bad football team come out and they're running for six, seven yards a pop right off the bat. Like I know we live in an area where three yards in a cloud of dust football isn't isn't a, isn't popular, but when you see the teams that really run the football really well, Georgia, Michigan, Clemson, if you watch their running game, it's a grind. And by the second in the and by the second half, then okay now now you're running the ball the way you want to. So I would say if we come out this week, and we're 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 not able to run the ball like we want to in the second half. And Carolina is in a position where they can run the football. They're not having to play from behind or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I'd say maybe we got we got some issues. Well, my concern is not necessarily I, – I get what you're saying. It's the fact that when you run it on first down, when you run it on second down, a lot of these handoffs have been one, two yards. And the problem with that is, especially on first down, one-yard gain, okay, now it's second and nine. Now you're a little behind the sticks already. That's the concern. that you, That's where you want to see more of that consistency. I don't – look, I, I get it, man. I, I'm not – look, I'm not saying don't – I'm trading the big runs for just guys that are grinding out four or five yarders. You have to hit some home run plays. We talked about that back in 20, uh, 2019, that that was a big issue for the Tario run game. With as, as successful as they were, there were times where Javante Williams and Michael Carter just couldn't hit the wrong, the long run play when you needed them to. Um, and they, you know, you you saw that happen in 2020. It made a huge difference. I just my thing is is when you run the ball on early downs, you've got to be able to have more success because if you're not, that's part of the reason why you're seeing Phil Longo go away from that because okay well we're picking up two yards on these carries well that's kind of setting me behind for the next couple of plays because then hey man I throw to a receiver and he drops it or a defensive back makes a play on it all of a sudden I'm in third and eight and that's limiting what I can do as an offensive coordinator so that's the area that I think Carolina that's that's the way that Mac Brown's looking at it is I just want to be more consistent on those early downs and and I get that um but yeah, I mean, I'm not look, this is the thing. It is so hard to criticize this offense when you see what has happened to this team on the defensive side of the ball at times this season. So it feels like you're nitpicking. But yeah, that's an area where I think you you've got to you've got to demand a little bit more from that group. You've got to demand a little more consistency from them. And it's both the running backs and the offensive line. And look, the running game, that's our first of, of the Tar Heel storylines. I think the other one is, is you know, when you look at the offense, are they able to sort of continue the rhythm that they had a week ago? Because against Notre Dame, you put up 32 points, you put up 367 yards of offense, but it wasn't really a pretty game. They went six straight drives without scoring. It was kind of a stagnant offense at times that was really based on big plays. Looked a lot like the 2021 offense. What you saw last week is what we've been used to so far early in the season. Carolina has to be able to carry that over into this game against Miami because I'm with you. I saw some good things out of this defense, but I still feel like this is a game where Carolina is going to have to score, and in order to do that, you've got to move the ball consistently. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I don't know if they're going to see another defense that poses the challenges that Notre Dame did until they play NC State. I I I really I I I don't think you'll see it this week. I Definitely not physically. I no way. You know you won't see it against Pittsburgh. I, you know you won't see it against Wake Forest. And, and <laughs> oh God, no. And so I would say yes. I think with this offense, you should be at a point, especially in the division that you're in and the teams you got, where they should march the ball up and down the field at will. They 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 should. And this 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 Miami defense, this isn't you know they don't have the same. They've got talent, but they don't have the dudes they, they they've had in the past. And even those dudes, Carolina was able to really have a lot of success with them. So yes, I I. I I would expect them to go out here, and I, I expect them to score 35 points or more. I expect them to give me 400 yards of offense or more because that's how that's how well they're playing. And this opponent, I think, is not going to show as 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 much resistance. And 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 as as I've I've really said all all year long, I think Phil Longo has really developed and grown into his own as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's forcing plays to happen. 
he's reacting to what he's seeing from the defense and calling the right plays, and you're seeing all of our elite talent really come to fruition on that, on that offensive side of the ball. Well, the reacting is what you want to see in this game because there is no doubt that he watched that game against Middle Tennessee. You see that stat that I just read off about the two outside corners that they have allowing 25.5 yards per reception, and you're going to want to throw the ball down the field. You're going to want to take your shots in this game. There's no doubt about it because this is a team that so far hasn't proven that they can handle uh, a team that has a good deep passing game. But you want to see Phil Longo be, you know, the Phil Longo that we've seen so far this year, not relying on those big plays to carry your offense. Because if there if there was one thing outside of the red zone issues that you could probably critique about Phil Longo in his first three years at Carolina, it was that at times he got big play happy. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think this year you're starting to see a guy that, as you mentioned, is really settling in, is realizing that, hey, we've got we've got so many tools in this offense. We've got a bunch of different guys that can do things after the catch. Or even, look, we don't have to, if, if we're hitting a big play, it doesn't always have to be with our outside receivers or even with Josh Downs. We can hit one in the, in, in, in the middle of the field up the seam with our tight ends, something that we haven't had here at Carolina in his first three years there. So, I think that's the area where you're looking with this offense and saying, can they can they carry over what they did against Virginia Tech? And, and I don't know. I, I, I thought there were still some people this week that were saying, look, Carolina offensively just took apart a really good Virginia Tech defense. I think they're I think they're a solid defense. There's no doubt about that. I was very impressed by what the offensive line did up front. But I don't think that Virginia Tech defense is really as good as the numbers would lead you to believe. Because I think they just they had drawn some matchups that favored really well to give them some some really good looking stats. Um, this is a team in Miami that I think you're right. I think they are not as talented as they've been in the past, but they are still one of the more talented defenses that you will play all year because frankly, there aren't a lot of talented defenses in the ACC. Um, there's not as many talented defenses really in college football, but especially in the ACC. So Carolina's got to be able to manage that. Don't get big play happy in this one, Phil Longo, and I think you'll be fine. Um, you know, the last one is, is look, can this defense carry over what they did a week ago? Or is this what we saw last year? I have been saying this the entire week, and this is my concern with, this team defensively. I was telling telling our guy, Tar Heel Tommy, our new sales guy here at WFNZ. Um, I was telling him about, you know, look, the, the thing that I worry about is we saw this from this team a year ago. Carolina came out. They destroyed the Duke Blue Devils in a game last October, early October. And some, you know, I, I was one of those people that was wondering, hey, has this team turned a corner? Because... That was as dominant of a performance as as you get from the Tar Heels up front. But that wasn't the case. Carolina just faced a bad offensive line that was clearly worse than I had thought. Um, and, you know, they it, it showed the rest of the year when they really regressed back to what we had seen from them early in the season. With this group... You know, even if they don't even have to be exactly what they were a week ago, that's asking a lot because you're not playing an offense that is that bad. But can they be an average? I I, I don't even want to ask for above average because that might be that might be asking too much. Can they just be an average, a mid, as the new generation likes to say? Can they be a mid defense? I want to say yes, but it's really, you want to believe. Come on, man! It's 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 really hard to believe it, right? And it's 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 really more because of what happened against Notre Dame, like because you let a bad offense do whatever they wanted to for three quarters. Well, hold on now. We have not seen them play since that game, and Mac Brown has told us this is a playoff team. So it's you know it's it's. I think that's the reservation. I think for us to really start believing 
first off, you got to do it away from home. So you 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 know you you, you got to do it this week at Miami. And look, I know what Mac Brown said about and look that fourth quarter at Georgia State in in its in its moment was very important. But Georgia State's a one in three, one in four football team. Yeah. So they're they're not a good football team. And the fact you went from up twenty one to three to to actually trailing in the game doesn't look good on your defense. So you got to do it away from home, and then you got to do it again, and you got to do it again. They've got to put together a month or so of solid play before we could say okay. And solid play for this unit is probably twenty four points and three hundred seventy five yards. Or, oh my or, or god! Less. Oh, oh, I would. I got to tell you, I I would take that in a heartbeat with this group. So, oh man! You know, I, 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 you know, I think we've. We've really fresh, you know, voiced our frustrations with the coaching staff to where I think Chizik is the type of coordinator to coordinate the type of defense you want to have with this offense. Right. But, you know, until you're getting the type of play you need out of your defensive line and the type of play you're getting out of your 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 secondary, it's hard to say, yeah, I, I believe they can be a mid defense because they 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 haven't they've they've been below mid for a while now. Not under under mid. Below mid's a pretty good. Yeah, one. below mid's not bad. I, you know, then I'm gonna use above mid. Above, hey, it, it, look, if we get to above mid, we we may we may actually have a celebration here on the podcast. The above mid defensive celebration. That's what I'm looking for in a woman is just an above mid woman. You know, I, I used to. Shoot I gotta for the tell stars. you. I gotta tell you. At this point, a mid woman might be fine, <laughs> considering that I am severely below mid. I I think I would definitely take a, a mid woman. Um. I, I feel that that was that that could be taken very wrong. We love ladies. We love you. You don't love us, but we we still love you and respect you. Um, no, I mean, I think the, it, this is the one thing, and I don't know if you're with me on this. The the one reason that I feel like you can have some sort of belief in this, and I look, I know that he took a lot of flack from the fan base for the first few weeks. Which I think is is somewhat justified, but I also think people have to realize I think it's more about the holdover coaches rather than Gene Chizik himself. I think Gene Chizik is the reason why maybe you can believe a little bit in this unit because he's done it before and he's done it here before. So if it, maybe it did take time for things to get on track. Maybe they needed that one game where they actually felt like, hey, this system is working. Because I get it. They had moments in that game against Georgia State where it looked like it worked. But it did kind of fall apart. And you did kind of let them back into the game. There was never a point in that Virginia Tech game where they let them back into the game. And look, you had opportunities to let them back into the game. And you didn't. So, I mean, is that... Am I crazy for thinking that? No, because I mean I think that's he's the biggest reason why we had any faith entering this year defensively at all. I think the frustration really came from when you when you go back to fifteen and he was dealing with a lot less talent and a lot less depth. Mm-hmm. It was kind of immediate where you could tell he made an impact, and that didn't happen to start to start the year where it True. Did, it, it it didn't it didn't it didn't feel. Like what he what he was trying to instill, what he was changing, was making an impact. So I think that was why. And look, I I was never. I mean, yes, I I, I did I did think I tweeted in some frustration, you know, put his ass back in a TV booth. But I never lost. No, like, you would never do like that. like Come faith on. in the idea that because I think he can coach. Like I trust that he can coach, and I don't think he's up there actively putting these kids in a position to fail. I think more than anything is that, and he will never admit this, neither will Mac Brown, there was an adjustment period. Coming back out of TV, calling defenses because the— Working with coaches on that staff that he had never worked with before. You know, because even though he's been out of the game, I think it was five years, the game has still evolved a lot in five years. And so he was— definitely. You know, know, he was was maybe adjusting. And so, you know, it's going to take a lot for me to ever come on here and say— I don't have a whole lot of faith in the guy. Because even when everything broke down for Larry Fedora in 2016, it wasn't really the defense. No. It was it was on the offensive side of the football. The defense was keeping them in the games. 
So he's the biggest reason to, to keep you optimistic. I think we were all discouraged because we saw him come in and, and reinvigorate a bad defense overnight. That didn't happen this go-around, and we're already questioning the direction of the program under Mac Brown. When the defense doesn't look any better, those questions we're going to raise. Well, I think one of the differences I think that it's showing is that the problem for Vic Koning's defenses weren't that they weren't aggressive enough. That team was too over-aggressive, but Gene was able to channel that aggression into turnovers, and that was the biggest issue for him in 16. The turnovers disappeared, and, you know, Carolina, like you said, they anybody there was weirdly enough there was a conversation about this today between some of the Toriel fans that uh, I I'm I'm in a group chat with back and forth and they were saying the biggest reason that 2016 things fell apart was the Mac Collins injury and yeah that's that's 100% true yep. um even with that defense they had one interception the whole season yeah and that defense was still a very solid Unit with this group, I just wonder. They talk so much about how they needed to be more physical because you know Jay Bateman recruited a lot of guys that were athletic freaks, they weren't guys that were built in the weight room, they were athletes. And look, part of that is that, as you mentioned, and this is part of the adjustment for Gene as well, you got to have some of these athletes out there now mm-hmm. because some of these guys that you're you're facing at tight end. I mean, Michael Mayer, like, dude, they didn't make tight ends like that back when Gene Chizik was coaching for a national championship on Mac Brown's staff at Texas. Like, they didn't roll those types of dudes out there. So, I mean, yeah, that's I'm that's there's an adjustment period. I think you're right about that. And yeah, I mean, I think we all still have our reservations, though. Yes. Not because of Gene Chizik. Because of the guys that are that are out there on the field that have been inconsistent, and and for me, it's still because of these position coaches. Yep. But the reason to believe is because of Gene Chizik, and I think you have to even give him a little bit. It's it's Charlton Warren is helping to set up that defense as well. So those are the two guys that I think you should believe in. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll hear this week's ad from DraftKings, and then guys, when we come back, we give you keys to the game and our predictions. For the game down at Hard Rock Stadium. Stick with us here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Back right after this. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Look, man, I'm a Giants fan, and you know right now, with my team at 3-1 and and with the way that Saquon Barkley is playing, I have to get on there and bet on my guy in a contract year where I know, of course, he's going to stay healthy and he's going to get that big contract. We all know how it works. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Well, let's get to the keys to the game for this game against the Hurricanes as the Tar Heels look to go to 2-0 and in conference and two big wins over Coastal opponents. First of all, I think the biggest thing in this game 
for this defense, they have to slow down the run in this one. I said it. This is a Miami offense. They're averaging 178.5 yards per game. They have one of the more underrated running backs in the ACC in Henry Parrish Jr. Um, and, and this is you know a quarterback right now in Tyler Van Dyke that is struggling, that has been benched. Uh, you know, as as recently as two weeks ago. So I think Carolina needs to put the pressure on Tyler Van Dyke in this one. Make him beat you because as we've seen so far early in the season, he is a guy that is forcing things and has create and, and has turned the ball over and made some mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, all, all the things that you got to do good at home defensively, they kind of go up a notch on the road. And so it, it does start with, with being able to stop the run. Because I do think, you know, Miami does lack confidence in that passing game right now. So they're going to they're going to they're gonna want to run the ball. And also they're going to want to shorten the game and keep Drake May on the sidelines as much as possible. The best way to do that is to run the ball, possess the possess the ball, and, run, and milk the clock. So, yeah, um, I do feel like it's something where Carolina's got to come out. They've got to set the edge a lot, you know, as – they they got they got to get better and and build up what they did well last week and get better. They got to be able to get off blocks. You got to have eight or nine guys rallying to the football and and, and be physical and 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 be 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 ready to put a hat on them because you know you mentioned it earlier. This is a Miami team that we've beaten three times in a row, and the last time we played them in their building, we we embarrassed them. So there's gonna you would imagine there's gonna be some motivation factor coming into this game for them to get off the schneid and really redeem themselves for 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 you know for embarrassing themselves at home in their program 2 years ago so and it's going to start up front and so you have Carolina comes out and they give up they give up 175 or more on the ground in a game that's you know then we're we're probably coming back and talking talking about a loss um because if because if if Miami comes down and they run the ball at Carolina they run it down their throats I mean, we, we saw a, a passing game that wasn't very confident in Notre Dame have a lot of success. I like Miami's quarterback and their weapons a lot better. We could be saying the same thing about this Miami passing attack if they, if, if they run the ball very well. Yeah, no doubt. I I may have to disagree with you on the weapons, though. This is a beat-up, and they are a beat-up team, man. With Restrepo out, that is a group that is that, – that was their guy. That was their, their guy coming into the year that they expected to step up and have a big year. Clemson transfer Frank Ladson just ha- has not gotten off to a great start, so they're still looking for weapons. I, I would probably disagree with you on that, but I do agree that they definitely have – the better quarterback. Even with the struggles that Van Dyke's had so far out of the gate, uh, I definitely think that they have the better quarterback and that he is a guy that is more than capable of taking over a game and turning things around. He did it in the second half of the game last year against North Carolina or, or against the Tar Heels, uh, which was his first career start. So um, I, I definitely think that he is is more than capable of being a guy that can hurt Carolina. You know, I, I think the other thing is Carolina's got to stay disciplined. They did a good job of this in the game against Virginia Tech. Just four penalties, 35 yards. They've got to be able to do this again in this matchup. Look, they've been better here so far this year, but it's still not great. They're still one of the worst teams in uh, in the ACC in terms of penalties so far this year. I mean, they're averaging 62.8 penalty yards, which is kind of middle of the road throughout the country, 6.8 penalties per game. So, I mean, it is a step up from a year ago, but it's still an area that is not exactly a strength. Meanwhile, for Miami, a little bit better. They're only averaging six penalties per game and 45 penalty yards per game. So this is a Miami team that has been a little bit better disciplined than in years past. So to counter that, Carolina's got to be able uh, to avoid those penalties that keep drives going, that back you up, those kind of things that could hurt you and could hurt your opportunities against this hurricane team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Like, if Carolina comes out and they commit eight penalties for 75 yards or more, it's going to really hinder them. And I think the biggest thing is that, uh, and look, there's no such thing as a timely penalty, but it just feels like whenever Carolina commits one, it's on a it's it's on a crucial third down play, or it's after they've 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 had a big gain, or they they've gotten that stop. And then there's an illegal hands to the face, or just just a just a dumb penalty, and it's something we talked about really all summer long. Where they just had to get mentally tougher. I thought last year this was a team that that wasn't coached very hard, and the way they played on the field was a result of that. And it was really something that there was no fixing 
you know, you know, during the season, and that was what they they were going to stress all off season. And I think we've gotten we've had some good games, and then we've had some games where the penalties do show up. It has been more more so on the road than it has been at home. So this has got to be a game where Carolina's got to keep its composure. They've got to keep their head on a swivel. Um, not now that their emotions get the best of them, because Miami is going to try to provoke them. They are going to try to to bait them in, 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 into playing a certain style. So, um, hopefully, a a a a, a off season worth of stress in this will really start to show up now. Because as we mentioned, we're in ACC play now. You're probably the betting favorite to get to the ACC title game because who your quarterback is. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be shooting yourselves in the foot with costly penalties, and we'll find out if they're ready for that on Saturday. Yeah, and look, most of them, uh, to me, I, it's been on the defensive side of the football where they've had the biggest issue when they have taken penalties. Offensively, I mean, there's only one offensive lineman that's taken more than two penalties so far this year. So they've cleaned it up on the offensive side. It's about taking care of business on the other side of the ball. The last one I got on here, and I said it, I said it last week, I was going to put it down. And I'm putting it down here again because I I still think this has to be part of the recipe for now until this defense proves itself to us uh, week over week. You have to score, score, and score some more. This offense has to be able to play at a high rate in this game. We talked about the ability to move the ball up and down the field. We feel like that has to be an element of this game. But mainly, Carolina has to find the end zone. And they've still done a pretty good job of that so far this year. Um, they they did kick a couple of field goals against Virginia Tech in the red zone. But this is still, I, I think, an offense that has proven so far that they are capable of scoring with just about anybody in the country. They have to do it once again on the road at Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. We're talking about this defense getting to mid and holding tw- and holding teams to 24 points or less. We're not there yet, and so and, until we get to that point where we feel like we can win games in the 20s, we got to score probably 35, 38 points or more. And and, and so I I think, I mean, not that Phil Longo ever goes into a game saying, you know, look guys, we just need to get to 31 points or whatever. But I do think that staff knows there's still pressure on them mm-hmm. to put up points and put up yards, you know, in, in bunches. And so um, I think you'll see a very aggressive game plan. And I think, th- I think the biggest thing or the best thing I liked about what Carolina did last week, and this is this is probably going to tick some people off, was they never put they they never took their foot off the gas. And I think that's something that well, who would that who would that piss well, off? Well, because some people don't like seeing you run up the score on an opponent. Okay, and I had absolutely no issues, because thankfully nobody got hurt. I had nothing wrong with Mac Brown sitting out there and kicking a team's ass. Well, this was the problem that I had with it. It wasn't that they were scoring on them. I don't care. I want to score as many points against them and just about every other ACC Coastal team, whenever we play them. I don't like the teams that play in the ACC Coastal. It's it's just that simple. Like, what, are you going to take your foot off the gas if you're blowing state out? No, I want 150. Well, they're, they're in the Atlantic. So, oh, no, but I'm saying the Coastal and your rivals are – you should never want to – first of all, in modern-day college football, you should never take your foot off the gas. And if anybody's saying that, I will I will submit to you the fourth quarter against App State. <laughs> they let up 40 points in a quarter. Score as many points as you possibly can. My issue with it was, and we were both saying this, why is Drake May still in the game? After he did his third flying leap in five games, which, by the way, can we please stop that? Look, man, I like the fact that you're you're showing toughness when you when you take off and run. You 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 have taken some hits. You're willing to take some hits. Great. Just don't leave your feet. Nothing good can happen for a quarterback when he leaves his feet. I hate to tell you, Drake. Or a church league basketball point guard. Look, I'm just ignoring that. You're 6'5". You are not Cam Newton, though. You don't have 250, 260 pounds on you. When you land at your size, it will hurt. So don't do it. It's just that simple. Anyway, back to my... My point before you just interrupted my point. Um, that was one of the best things I thought Mac Brown's done since he came back, because you kind of see it with older coaches where they, you know, they they don't want to blow it, they don't want to embarrass the team or something like that. 
But I think we got to start t- treating our opponents the way they would treat us. Because would a Virginia Tech took the foot took the off the gas? No. They didn't in 2017. You know, will, will, will Miami take the foot off the gas? No. And so there's something about burying a team, and that's what Carolina did a week ago to where, you know, yeah, maybe you want to run the ball and get out of there without getting injuries. But like Mac Brown said on his radio show on Monday, these guys want more playing time. We gave them a chance to go out there and earn more playing time, and they didn't convert well enough because mm-hmm. they were still staying aggressive. So yeah, Carolina's got to be out here in this mindset of let's you know let's try to score every time you know we touch the football. That's why they've been so aggressive on fourth down because you know they they, they want to go put points up on the board. So yeah, Carolina still got into this game knowing we got to get in the thirties to give ourselves the best chance to walk out of here with a W. Yeah, and and look, you got the quarterback to do it. That's my thing. You've got the guy that I think can do it for you at this point. So, trust in that guy. You want to be balanced. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah, when it comes to making the plays that are there to move the sticks and to score points, let Drake May take over and do what he does best. And, yeah, put as many points as you can on the board until this defense proves to you otherwise. And even then, let's. I mean, this has been one of the best elements of this offense – since Mac Brown's return, let's you, you let's keep that high-powered offense rolling. Um, so let's go to predictions for this game. Um, we talked about you know keeping that high-powered offense rolling. We've talked about you know can the defense sort of build on what they did a week ago, or was it just you know a, a, a momentary um, you know f- feat of success? What do you think in this game, man? Um, this was a game that I had as a as a loss back when we when we went through the schedule. As, Shameful. As did a lot of Tar Heel fans and right. I had it said. as a loss myself. Um but I as I stated earlier, I think I think with Carolina's quarterback, they've probably emerged as the favorites in what's a coastal chaos that, of, of all time. To, to, to really be the prohibitive favorite to come out of the Coastal no matter how bad the defense is. I think Carolina wins because they have the better quarterback. I trust this offense more. I think it's 38-27. Heels win again in uh, in Miami. Okay. What? Oh, you'll see. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think this Miami team, nowhere near the team that we thought they were in the preseason. Um, not even remotely. Um, I think that it's a team that's struggling with confidence. Um, you know, offensively, they've had their issues. I mean, look, and it's not just the Middle Tennessee game. I think there's a lot of people that are based it on that. Remember how how bad they started against Southern Miss. They were struggling against that team early on out of the gate. So this is an offense that has had its stumbling blocks. For me, Carolina has to get out to a fast start in this game. Put up some points early get a little bit of a lead, and make this Miami offense have to come back on you. But you've still got to keep your foot on the gas and run away from them. I'm with you, man. Carolina's got the quarterback to win this division, and I think a lot of people feel that way at this point. He's a guy that we've asked him to prove it to us every single week, and he's done so. So I don't feel like we even have to ask him to prove it to us at this point. I think we just know that this is a dude that is capable of doing it, and I'm counting on that uh, for Carolina. I'm with you. I, st- I still think there's questions defensively, and that's why I like Carolina. No lie. The score I was thinking of earlier, 38-27. I like the Tar Heels over Miami. That was the exact score that I had um, in my head. So... Uh, both me and Josh like the Tar Heels to get to 5-1 and one on the season, 2-0 and oh in conference. And we will have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure you guys go there. Check out all the coverage that we'll have for you there. It'll start with the preview. Uh, and then we will get you guys uh, on the back end with the recap, the stock report, the trench report, 
Ashton will chip in with Ashton's analysis. He'll also give you uh, some some notes uh, and what he takes away from Mac Brown's press conference on Monday following the game. So all of that stuff will be on the website over there at HeelToughBlog.com. Also, something that is unfortunately becoming a staple on that day as well is the injury updates. If there are any injury updates, we got some really good news this week about Jaquarius Conley uh, hitting the practice field again. It looks like... They could be targeting him, at least, if not for the Duke game, then maybe for the game against Pittsburgh. Remember, Carolina has a bye week once again after the game against Duke, but uh, it looks like uh, there are some people, there are some rumblings uh, that Conley is pushing uh, to potentially play in that game for Carolina against Duke. We will have you covered with all of that news and information on the website, Heel Tough Blog. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tarius. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.